Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today. It's going down right here. We are live for Fantasy Sports Today, Tuesday edition. Mike Lewis and Dave Martinez. Trying to get some work done. We'll see if we can be as good as Clay Thompson was last night. Although, I don't know anybody was. That was impressive. I know we don't really talk about football, but how about that, Dave? Yeah, Clay man. Thompson. He's one of the greatest pure shooters in, in NBA history. He could get hot at any time. We've seen him do this in a quarter before. Somebody t- somebody told me to check out uh, what's going on because I'm watching that football game, obviously, and somebody told me to check out what's going on oh, really? with Warriors-Bulls. And I'm like, all right, I'll see what's going on. And it was 92-50 to 50 at halftime. And then uh, I was tracking it, and Clay Thompson had 52 points with four and a half minutes left in the third, and then they just took him out because he was – Murdering the Bulls single-handedly. He played 27 minutes, and he hit 14 three-pointers, which is a new NBA record. So uh, pretty impressive. Uh, probably as impressive as the Patriots' def- defense was last night, or was it the ineptitude of the Buffalo Bills? Reality was both teams actually played really good defense. Now, some people will say, ah, that game stunk. It was a little bit of a throwback. I didn't mind it so much. We were watching, a, at one point, we were watching a 12-6 game. A lot of field goals. I get it. But it was a little bit of old school defensive football. I didn't think Brady wasn't as sharp as he normally is because the Bills were getting good pressure on him. Derek Anderson should probably be golfing the way he really wants to be like he was a couple of weeks ago. And as I texted one of my friends last night, it's weird that this semi-retired golfer wannabe can't move the offense against the Patriots. Obviously, that was going Who'd to happen. Who would have thunk it? Yeah. Who would have thunk that? So, uh, And honestly, yeah. Blue, they knew that was going to happen. That's why they run Wildcat. That's why they're running shifts at the line. That's why they're running an end-around double-reverse flea flicker. They knew they had to pull out all the stops. You know what also they knew didn't work? Derek Anderson wasn't Wildcat also didn't work. Yeah. So... I appreciate it. But they the knew, you know what I'm saying? They knew they had to scheme for it because skill-wise they weren't able to go heads up. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, LeSean McCoy actually ends up having a decent night because he caught six passes for 82. So, uh, ultimately he has 95 yards total, but the six catches are really what's helping you there. Zay Jones, six for 55. Nobody else to talk about. Kelvin Benjamin, I'm so glad he's not. I don't roster him on any teams because what a, <laughs> just what a, a, you know, more penalties than catches. It's just he's clueless about the rule book there. Uh, like Witten, worst put, number one wide receiver in the NFL. Witten put it well last night. 
you have to know. Like, yeah, I get it that not every football player is completely immersed in the st- in the rule book. I would refer you to the Steelers letting a free kick go on Sunday as evidence of that. But last night, right. there's no reason to light up McCourty on that play. On and that block. There's no yeah. reason for it. You are... You have him by a minimum of 40 pounds, and he's listed at 245. No no chance. I mean, no chance that he's 245. Oh, no. 265. He's a tight end. So there's no reason to light him up there, and they negated a huge play, and he's like, ah, I hit him with my shoulder. It's like, yeah, that's not the rule. It's not the rule. I get that you didn't go helmet to helmet. I'm not going to give you a cookie because you didn't light him up with your helmet, but it was a clear penalty, and he seemed clueless about it, but uh, I digress. Uh, on the Pat side of things, so here's my night last night. I got a few things going. You and I have Gronk going. We need 15 out of Gronk. Unfortunately, get it doesn't happen. I need a boatload out of Edelman and Gordon in one league. I needed about 40 combined. Knew it was a long shot, but I got half of it because Edelman has a really good game last night. He actually had two yeah. carries for 13 yards. But then nine for 104, so his total of 117 scrimmage yards, you'll take that every day, especially with the nine catches on ten targets. But where it all went south is as I was, well, I had Josh Gordon, too. He's four for 42. Yeah, I'll, I'll sort of take it as he was a flex option there. Uh, you know, that game was lost because I played him instead of Larry Fitzgerald. Now, going into the game, I checked my projections and all that kind of stuff, and I made the decision. So I'm not going to be bitter about it. It's I'm annoyed that I lost because of it, but I made the decision going in. Larry Fitz had a huge game, which is good moving mm-hmm. forward. But I, it was starting to get close in these games. I'm like, all right, I just need one of these guys, Edelman or Gordon or Gronk, to get a touchdown, and I'll win one of my matchups. So what happens? James White. James White steps in, yep. and he scores the touchdown. And I knew, I felt like at that point it was over. And then it's exacerbated by the fact that McCourty picks off that pass, and I think he's maybe going to get pushed out of bounds. So I'm cheering for the Bills. Tackle him, please. All right. Just get him down. Just tackle <laughs> him. I need somebody to get him. And he scores, and that's the final, 25-6. to six. So Jimmy White. Pretty good game there. Ten catches on seventy nine ten catches for seventy nine yards on the thirteen targets, eight carries for fifteen yards. The Bills did a really good job of bottling up the run uh on the Patriots. Only twenty five carries for only seventy six yards. Crazy Legs Brady had that one scramble for eight yards. Right. I thought he was going was to get say, killed. Most of the yards are from quarterbacks and wide receivers yeah. yesterday, but yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh you know, it's funny because they did they did hold him down to some extent, 29 of 45, but he had 324 yards, Brady did. Uh, just no touchdowns, no picks. So uh, not not a banner night for Brady, and uh, I did not have a, end up having a good week. I, I was pretty heavily reliant on the Patriots to try to win some huh. leagues last night, and it just did not happen, unfortunately for me. I think I had my worst week of the year. I might have gone three and four in my seasonal leagues. But, uh, you know, I read something this morning about the Bills – that they are the seventh oldest team in the league, which is interesting considering how bad they are right now, A, and B. And I also saw a stat last night. The they had 40 players on their first or second year. 
I heard yeah. it was, I saw a stat on the telecast last night that 40% of their roster were literally in their first or second years. So, so maybe like, you know, the, the standard deviations of this are weird, you know, because yeah. you got a lot of young guys then. And maybe then, you know, the Derek Andersons and Shady McCoys on the wrong side of 30. Kyle maybe Williams. they just really have no players that are like, you know, 26, 27 years That's old. That's probably true. So and Kyle Williams, too, pushes that average up. So, you know, we're talking um, infinitesimal differences sometimes to uh, change right. the average of that. But. Uh, there's some thoughts that they should sell off some of those older players, McCoy really being the, the biggest chip that they should potentially look to move. Green Bay possibly in need of a dynamic running back, and uh, the trade deadline is today, so that's going to be big news. We're yep. hoping we see a few more moves. We saw some some lighter moves in the uh, you know last week, the Giants getting rid of a couple of players, and uh, there's a few more players being dangled out there. We've heard Demarius Thomas's yeah. name. We've heard Larry Fitzgerald's name. Uh, although I don't think the Fitz thing is going to happen. Carl Joseph from we the We did Raiders. a poll. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we did a poll on Roto Experts in the morning uh, about which wide receiver might be traded. You know, our options that we put up were Demarius Thomas, Golden Tate we're hearing buzz about, Devontae Parker in Miami, Deshaun Jackson in Tampa. I would even add Pierre Garçon. People are getting uh, – apparently the Niners are fielding uh, calls on Pierre Garçon as well. So wide receiver may be a position to watch. When you talk about Buffalo, blew it. Listen, McCoy might be on the move, but if I'm a coach and I'm getting Mishoy via trade – the first thing I'm telling him is uh, stop carrying the ball with your with your fingertips out yeah, there, like he dangling it at defenders. I know, but if I'm a team that's getting him, I'm I'm I'm. That's the first thing we're doing in practice, bro. Is hold it high and tight, like Tom Coughlin would say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, the Golden Tate thing is interesting because is there an assumption that? They can handle it with Galladay and Marvin Jones, and then Golden Tate could. I guess so. I thought that was interesting themselves, myself, because you know, if I was Detroit, I would be thinking I'm still competitive, right? So to trade away, kind of like one of your stalwarts, would be not the team that I would look would enter the fray, you know, like Miami or San Francisco or you know some of these other tank, Oakland, the Giants, Buffalo, stuff like that. But there are reports out there about Golden Tate as well. Um, just wanted to put that out there. Yeah, so that is pretty interesting to me. I mean, I, I think there's going to be – the trade deadline is at 4 o'clock today, so um, Golden Tate doesn't think he's going anywhere, but the players oftentimes don't. Who knows, right? Anywhere. So um, and Patrick Peterson obviously is another big name that's been floated out there. Sure. I saw a possibility this morning of him. You know, and, and this is a lot of speculation by writers writing, you know, in some cases pretty interesting articles and at least think pieces as to uh, what it could look like when some of these players yep. are being traded. But uh, Mike Sando is the ESPN senior writer that put together, uh, you know, he, he's in touch with a lot of NFL executives and he put together a bunch of possibilities here like McCoy to the Packers and right. Fitzgerald to the Patriots. Uh, I'd watch Janoris Jenkins today yeah. on the Giants. You know, he's yeah. a guy, a uh, serviceable so. corner. I don't know why the Giants, the Giants just no wouldn't go all the way with Jenkins right. and Vernon. Get what they and can Vernon. out of it. Right. Uh, I would not trade Landon Collins, though. And I've heard p- teams are calling about Landon Collins. Of course they are. <laughs> but I would, not, <laughs> I would not entertain that one. You know, I, so I did the Sunday show with Marshall Falk and Sam Garns, and we were talking a little bit about the Giants – Oh, we're talking a lot about the Giants, actually, in terms of this. And I think there's some feeling that, as good as we've seen Landon Collins play, that 
maybe his upside isn't as high as some people suspect, including me. Hmm. I think he's a great player. But that he's a really good player, but, like, pump the brakes on Hall of Fame type stuff. You know what I mean? Uh, sure. That was kind of the thought process. But I don't think they can What are you going to get back, though? A second-round pick? And what can you possibly hope for that second-round pick, that he becomes at its ceiling, Landon Collins? Uh, I think that's a great point. I would I would hope that you can negotiate for a first-round pick. But, hmm. you know, if people in the league feel the same way that, um, you know, Sam and, and a couple other people do, then maybe that's not the best outlook or maybe it's not the best guy to put on the block. Plus, he's a young player. He's, he's one of their younger players. There's only about six guys on the whole right. roster that you would look to keep. It's Will Hernandez and Saquon Barkley, the two receivers, the tight end. And Landon Collins. Right. That's basically it. Um, everybody else is um, certainly worthy. Fair of game. Being, yeah, certainly worthy of being talked about. Now, the pro- the thing with Jenkins and Vernon is they are owed a lot of money, so you're not necessarily going to get a ton back. It, it they might look similar to the Snacks Harrison deal, where people are like, including me, are like, you can only get a fifth round pick for that. It's like, well, yeah, they only got a fifth round pick, but they also dumped twenty million dollars out the door. Exactly. So uh, similarly here you're going to be dumping salary and not necessarily receiving a second-round pick or whatever you might hope for. Uh, so sometimes the haul coming back feels underwhelming simply because uh, you're you're ditching money in addition to yeah. uh, the player itself. The rental. Yeah. So, yeah. so that, that's obviously going to be a thing to watch today. I don't, I don't think we've seen any significant transactions really in the last 24 hours, but – it is what it is. There's not too much to talk about regarding last night's game. It's just that the Bills are totally inept on yeah. offense. Uh, Patriots' defense did look good, but aren't a lot of defenses going to look good against the Bills right now? Yeah, you would think so. And, you know, you were talking about, uh, Blewett, how you were sweating it out. You know, obviously I was with you. We lose out with the Gronk. He gets something like seven. We needed something like 14, yeah, yeah. roughly speaking. Um, I was sweating it out in a number of other places. Also, I am in a, uh, you know, I'm in a pool like many other people are where you got to pick every game against the spread. You do the f- final points total for Monday Night Football, that sort of thing. I stood to won the, win the week in my pool. Uh, blew it if I had Buffalo plus 13 and a half, you know, so when they're sitting 18, so first of all, when James White goes up the middle for the one yard touchdown and they decide to go for two to maybe make it 20 to six, you know, instead of eight, 19 to six, I'm like, what are you guys doing? Just kick the extra point and take your 13 point lead, you know, so then they miss that and I'm like, that's the move. I know, but come on, <laughs> you know, and then, and then I'm like, all right, they lose it. So I'm up, they're, they're up 18, six, they got a 12 point margin. I'm like, oh, and now this is good game flow because either Buffalo will score, which they did. And then it got overturned. Or if they turn it over on downs, the Pats ain't going to try and score anymore. So I'm good to go. They're going to run it out. And then of course the pick six ends that for me. So I still wind up going something like 11 and four on the week, but it just wasn't good enough to win in this poll. The other thing I would say blew it is uh, I helped you out in our Greenwich Street Tavern League in our Greenwich Street Tavern League you were you know you're a first place contender I was playing Jimbo Slice who was 7-0 and going into this week yeah. Jimbo Slice is now 7-1 and one, my boy. oh you beat him barely uh, you squeaked barely by. exactly I had a 20 point lead on Jimbo Slice Jimbo Slice had Tom Brady going into last night oh you had okay. a thought you were dead in the water 
Exactly. And Tom Brady had 320 something. But, you know, the fact that you were not happy about the James White rushing touchdowns, I was absolutely ecstatic by the rushing touchdowns. I was like, let's give the ball to Cordarell Patterson as many times as possible. And then when McCourty's running it back and you're like, tackle him, right? I'm like, no, at this point, go to the house because I can't have Tom Brady get a passing touchdown here unless it was to Rob Gronkowski. But my, what a tangled web we weave, you know, blew it. When we're in so many leagues and have knockout pools and picks against the spread and all this stuff, you know, you spread pretty thin um, as, you know, as my girlfriend is starting to realize when I'm literally like <laughs> cheering for and against players yeah. in the same vein yeah, and trying true. to do the math on on balance in my yeah, seventh league. Like, what this? is overall? I need, I need 12 right. from Brady here, but I can't have him get 20. So 17 <laughs> here. Exactly. And it has to be to Gronk. And I still need them to not win by 13. No, last night you know, all these things. Example of that for me, absolutely. I really could have used any of the other three guys to score a touchdown, right. and James White <laughs> scored it. So I was like, "Are you gotta be kidding me?" They lose both games. So uh, anyway, uh, but it's it just so it weird. Are you are you like live in action on a Sunday or on a Sunday night? Like I can only imagine you're in as many leagues as I am and yeah. betting and knockout and DFS as well. Are you in the moment? Are you like calculating? If something is on balance, good for you or not. Uh, I, um, I if you like own Joe Mixon and are facing Joe Mixon, you know, that sort of thing. But you have a lead here and are down there. Like, are you doing those calculations or are you just riding the wave? I think I mostly ride the wave until like towards the end of the four o'clocks. I'll really right. check in and see where I'm at. In between the four o'clocks and Sunday night football, that yeah, sort of thing. But if I see there's a whole bunch of players going on Sunday and Monday, I, I, I try not to sweat it too much. Plus, to be honest, I get up at five o'clock in the morning on Sundays, and I work most right. of the day, so I'm pretty darn tired. Those Sunday night games are difficult for me to make uh, all the way through. I end up rewatching sure. them on Monday morning, so I don't yeah. get as much of a sweat. I'm usually passed out at, like, 9 o'clock at night, so um, it is what it is. Uh, but uh, how did I do on my picks? Oh, we all went 2-1. and one. We all went 2-1 and one this week. Uh, you missed – you and I both – Missed Cincinnati minus four and a half against Tampa. Oh, Fitz. Fitz magic burned us. We both would have went three and oh. We both hit with the Colts over the uh, the Raiders. You hit on that over in the same game, Cincy Tampa. I also hit with the Eagles winning in London over Jacksonville covering the spread. We all got through on our survivor picks. All right. I'm going to talk about Harvard guys when we come back. It's uh, Mike and Dane on FST. Talking about whatever we want right after this. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Where do I Dane and Mike. And Dane, uh, you got something interesting to tell me. But the la- one thing I wanted to say about last night's game is Josh Gordon, he's, so he's chipping in now 
on a regular basis. Four for 42 last night. I forgot to bring it up in the last segment. But are you, is this sort of your expectation here? Uh, it's Edelman, obviously, first. Gronk is staying into block a lot. That's the one thing mm-hmm. I really noticed last night and in previous games. Now He's got that back still, too. I know. He saw eight targets. I guess you can't really complain about that. And Brady missed him on the one down the sidelines, which would have been a yeah. – first of all, that was an unbelievable catch by him uh, on the sidelines. Down the left sideline, yes. getting, his, getting his legs in bounds and stuff. There was an earlier yeah. one down I mean, the sidelines. I mean, he's very good at Brady football. Yeah, that was crazy. He's just manhandling the guy and catching it at the same time. Uh, but Remember, I think, there's a narrative like the with him Gordon, and that Tredavious White from last year, too. Remember that. Yeah, so maybe yeah, they were specifically getting up to try to, you know, contain Gronk. Tredavious White's legit. Like, he was on the, he was in people's grill last night. Uh, oh, I know. I, so, first, the thing on Josh Gordon. Four for 42. I think, unfortunately, that's, uh, that's going to be my expectation for him most weeks. Like, there, there will be a Josh Gordon game where he goes off. But, yep. I mean, the offense runs through the other guys. Edelman and White and uh, Gronk when he's not blocking. So Gordon's the fourth option at best, <clears throat> and Hogan is yeah. right there with him. Hogan only saw the two targets last night, and Gordon saw six. But, hell, even James Devlin gets in the mix a little bit. But I, that's yeah. going to be my expectation for Josh Gordon, that four to six catch, 40 to 60-yard range. I agree. Josh Gordon is playing a role for the New England Patriots, and I said it before here. When he was in Cleveland, he was more that target monster because there was, uh, you know, there was a dearth of other options in Cleveland. There are other options, and Josh Gordon is playing a role here. He is the deep threat, and there will be some bombs, there will be some big plays, but he is going to be better for the New England Patriots than he will be for your fantasy team. I agree. This is about what we could expect out of Josh. I ask you one more question because I got into it with a friend of mine who's a big Patriots fan yeah. and Red Sox fan and the whole thing. What is your thoughts on Julian Edelman? Likeable player? <laughs> or no? No, he rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, that's what he I rubs said. Me the wrong like my buddy was stunned. I, I was like, yeah. I was like, I said Edelman has made nah. himself into a very good player. I draft him every yeah. chance I get, but he's made himself unlikable to the 31 other teams because yeah. he talks so much smack and he's always getting into it. And my buddy was just right, stunned. and he's also a guy doing that at like five foot eight, you know. But he's like that little point, scrawny guy in your crew his, who writes who yes. writes checks that everyone else has to cash. Yes, but he his <laughs> thought his thought process was like, yeah, people have been do, talking trash to him about being the little white guy for like eight years. So obviously he's going to get back into it. And he said that if you listen to the mic'd up stuff, it's never ill will or anything like that. I just see every time Edelman gets tackled, he's up and he's like throwing bows and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And I, I just find yeah. it, I, I'm not that bothered by it, but I, I've always felt like other fans are irritated with Edelman. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, you're a Jets fan. Sure. So I mean, I hate him. Yeah, I, you're right. And here's the thing. I agree with you, but it's also not something I'm tremendous. I don't feel tremendously strong on, right? Like on the continuum, he's greater than the 50th percentile when I say, eh, rubs me the wrong way, but he's not at the 80th or 90th percentile where it's like, oh, I hate that guy. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so maybe I oversold you know. it a little bit. So, um, okay. So, <laughs> but given it. the choice of like him or not, I'll lean towards not. <laughs> so, all right. That's it for me on the Patriots. Let me do this read, and yeah. then we're going to get to your note on cool. Le'Veon Bell. Congrats to the thousands of yes. you who had a profitable MLB Daily Fantasy season in 2018 using the Daily Roto MLB DFS Optimizer. Now we're halfway through the NFL season, and the NFL Optimizer has already produced millions of winnings for its subscribers, including multiple winners in the hundreds of thousands and a $1 million winner. 
And with the NBA in full swing, the DailyRoto.com NBA lineup optimizer is now available. And subscribers are crushing on a nightly basis. If you're hooked, you can now buy the DailyRoto.com Elite Package. It gives you access to year-round. It gives you access year-round to the suite of successful tools and projections that DailyRoto.com subscribers have been using to print money in NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB, and PGA Daily Fantasy. And when you sign up for the Elite Package, you get the new NFL betting tools that they've rolled out, including against the spread, money line, game totals, and player props. So head on over to DailyRoto.com, click on Go Premium, and check out what the Elite Package has to offer. If you don't have a problem with winning money year-round, you're going to love it. Enter the promo code FNTSY for a special discount and start winning today. So do uh, you have a note on yeah. Le'Veon Bell? So he- here's the expectation. I do. The trade deadlines today. I think there's two options right. left for Le'Veon Bell. He shows up tomorrow after or the like trade deadline. Like 401 today, right? right yeah, right, right. 401 today. That would be the ultimate Earl Thomas move, <laughs> if you know what he I'm saying. He should Instagram something. If I'm like signing his tender with the clock right there at 401 yeah. and post that or something yeah, I would like have that. A pen, I would have a pen ready at f- right. four, four o'clock, <laughs> 401 and one second. Right. So, um, yeah, it's either tomorrow or it's November 13th, the final day. Right. So uh, I, I was l- seeing this was a- the last threshold kind of thing. Right? Yes. And the November 13th is the last day you can come in to get that year of service. You know, I was looking back. Mm-hmm. There's a, somebody produced like some reproduced some tweets. And he did say back in May, nine, nine, 18. Uh, can't wait. It was like uh, looking at the first day of the season that he can't wait. So he did make reference that he would be there. But honestly, things change oh, yeah. when that tender didn't get signed. Uh uh, and or rather, they didn't come to a long-term agreement. Things changed. And from that point on, he just said it's going to be his best year yet. And he never made any reference to any dates after that. So I just want to clarify that because I've yeah. said he never mentioned any dates. He did. But before the contract thing fell apart. He, at, in May, I think he suspected that a deal would get done. In July, it didn't. So, uh, all right. What's the thing, what is the thing that you have to know? So there's a piece, here's a note. Here's a note that I heard, and I know that you're up on some of this. I was listening, you know, we all, we consume other, you know, analysis and advice from other experts. One of the places I go, I'll give a big shout out. No, you do it too. You give props to some of those guys too. Uh, But one of the places I go, there's a website and a podcast called Sport Track, which is really based on kind of Spot Track, right, which is really about the contracts and stuff like that. And I listened to their podcast, and they made an incredible point. Um, we've been talking about the franchise tag this yes, whole sir. time. Yep. Uh, blew it. You know, this idea, you know, the average of the top five at the position and why that's actually uh, poor if you are the one or two at the position and all that good stuff. And if they were to franchise him again, yeah. obviously that's untenable because I think it goes to like the quarterback, which is like $25 million or something like that. Mm-hmm. However, they made the point on this podcast, blew it, that I think is fascinating. There's also not only the franchise tag, there's the transition tag yes. as well, blew yep. it. And you know, with that, apparently, um, it's also the team then has the option that the salary could be, you know, the average of the top five at the position. But guess what the other option is? The other option is 120%, but get this, blew it, not of the contract, which would be the franchise tag tender, the 14.5 million, 120%, not of that but of what the player actually earned the previous year. Now, because Le'Veon Bell has not 
taken his game checks for what could be 10 games. He could be in only like six or seven games. He could get transition tagged by the Steelers, blew it at 120% of like the 6 million that he actually earns this year. They could tag him, transition tag, and it would really only be something like 7 million. Couldn't that be a sign and trade kind of idea? Like if the Steelers really wanted to screw Lev Bell, they could put the transition tag on him at 120% over what he actually earned, not the contract, which is his, what, eight $850,000 times at this point, six, seven, or eight? They could screw him that way. That's right. So missing uh, that time of the season, it does hurt Bell when the transition tag is calculated. As per rules of the CBA, and borrowing arbitration to reassert the maximum value, uh, the cost could be much lower than some expect. So you're right. Uh, it could actually uh, hurt him as far as negotiations are concerned. But I think the Steelers will use the transition tag, but with the uh, uh, the obvious intent to, trade him? Intent to yeah, negotiate and, and trade him somewhere else. So I think they're definitely going to use it so that they don't. Well, we'll see what happens. I mean, we'll but see that what would happens. But tag him. that would tag him at like $7 million. Then, of course, he's a value. Right. And Lev Bell, this is, isn't this exactly what Lev Bell wanted to avoid? He wants to be out on the open market so he can get his 15 million. Couldn't the Steelers handcuff him for that for yet another year if they really wanted to? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it, all good points. But it, with the transition tag, you know, when you're franchise tagged, <clears throat> you're not really going to have the ability to negotiate with other teams. The transition tag allows for a little bit more uh, leeway as far as that's concerned. But it's a good point. I, I'll do a little bit of homework on it. But okay. uh, I, I think. <clears throat> I think ultimately, like him sitting out all these games, he's reducing yes. what that total is to be transition, well, transition tag, tag, and this definitely, and the Steelers still have that bullet in their arsenal. I think they already told him during the franchise tag negotiations that they would transition tag him in 2019, <laughs> which would set the well, stage. There you go. Which sets the stage for Bell to negotiate with other teams while Pittsburgh holds his rights. So. <clears throat> The franchise tag, obviously, it's not going to happen now because they're not, he's not going to be franchise tagged before 4 o'clock today. But the franchise tag holds a pretty significant return on somebody willing to trade for him. Uh, but the transition tag, you can be a little bit more reasonable so the Steelers can get his services this year, transition tag him, and still trade with another team and get something out of it, you know, get some additional compensation. What that will be, who knows? But, you know, still, I don't know. Maybe they can squeeze a second-round pick out of somebody as they're letting him go. I don't know. It, it's, yeah, I'd the, love the you to dig into that because I know you understand be, it better than I do. It, it's not, it doesn't have to be a bidding war with it's 10 teams. It's got to be two teams. And somebody right. like the Packers, the Jets. Yep. The Colts are Texans. looking pretty good right now. Well, the Texans are looking okay right now, too. But he's, he's better than everybody mm-hmm. at all these teams. But, um, you know, the Niners paid Jer- Jarek McKinnon a lot of money, so they're going to expect him to come back and contribute there. Uh, it just takes a few of those teams, really, to get in the mix, two or three of them, uh, to be honest. And, uh, but that's a good point. Uh, they have already told him that they're going to transition tag, so, uh, because they're looking for additional compensation when he leaves. Uh, he still thinks it could happen. I think that's a done deal. Like I, I think once they didn't sign him long-term this time, I think it spelled the end of it, yeah. his tenure in Pittsburgh. But, but I, stranger things have happened. You know, they got Connor sure. there now. He's not Le'Veon Bell, but um, they're doing pretty <laughs> but good. But he's right fourth now. in the league in rushing. No kidding. <laughs> and they're doing pretty well right now. You know, the Steelers, if not for that stupid tie at the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. 
they'd be five and two, and we'd be saying, yeah, their defense is still questionable. It is, but it's also playing better, and uh, we're obviously seeing them start to be the class of that division again. Uh, I know it was panic time when they played the Bucks and they were oh one and one, but you know they're 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 obviously offensively they're clicking right now and putting up big points. We didn't get I wasn't here yesterday, so we didn't get a chance to talk about the Brown stuff. The Lincoln Riley yeah. rumors obviously popped up right away. It kind of makes sense to me that his Oklahoma head coach, former head coach, would come to Cleveland. Uh, he's not thinking about that now. Obviously, Lincoln Riley is also a young guy, sort of of the Sean McVay mold, but right. uh, his NFL experience just doesn't have it. He's been a college guy for uh, many years now. So uh, it, it does make sense. I think people will start to tie those two together. We haven't seen tons of transitions lately from guys going straight from college to the pros and being right. successful. Harbaugh was obviously a success case, but uh, the NFL backed away from that for a long time. I think you'll start to see that loosen up as we're seeing the institution of college style plays become in vogue right. in the NFL. Bleed Pat, into the NFL. Yeah, yeah. Pat Mahomes and Baker Mayfield and guys like that sure. are already having some success. Uh, offensive coordinator in Chicago, Mark Helfrick, has been historically a college guy, and he's coming in and helping the Bears and Trubisky. So I think there's going to be more of an appetite for it. Uh, we'll see. And the Browns are just a team to throw a ton of money at a guy that's never coached in the NFL before. So um, we shall see what happens uh, there. But it is interesting that both uh, Hugh and Haley got fired. I think they just don't want any distractions around Baker. Right. And I, I think for once – <laughs> they made the right move because I do think it was going to become toxic. Now, I don't think Greg Williams, it, it, they better not keep him as the head coach long-term. Uh, he's not the guy to, to be the head coach of this football team, but I think he it'll work for now. The defense has been okay, and yeah. uh, you just have to get as much distraction think, away from Mayfield as possible. Yeah. William, Greg Williams is, is the choice there on an interim basis because he could maybe provide some structure you know, some accountability there in the short term, which is part of the culture change that needs to happen in Cleveland, right? And I think you're completely right. You know, development of Baker Mayfield is the number one priority for that organization. In the same way, Blewett, you, talk, you know, I'm a Jets fan. I've been talking about this year. All that matters to me is that I'm feeling comfortable that Sam Darnold is the guy with an arrow pointing up. You know, that's really all that matters for Cleveland. None of these and guys so, have a completion you know, percentage point, over 60%, by the way. None of the rookies. Yeah. So everybody's like, you know, and that's, well. that's like, them temping right. their lumps. Yeah. You know, but to your point, the number one priority has to be developing Baker. You saw all the way back to hard knocks that Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley we're not necessarily on the same page. And I think you make a good point. You know, teams in the NFL right now, it's either like go, you know, go the way of the world or get the hell out of the way, you know, and it's this Matt Nagy kind of offense, this Sean McVay kind of offense with some of the RPOs and some of the shifts and the jet sweeps. That is what offense is like in the NFL in 2018. You either need a mind that can contribute to that for Baker's development or the only other thing I can see them doing is a complete like – quote-unquote culture changer kind of guy, a, uh, you know, on time is five minutes late kind of guy to try to, you know, uh, get that ship in ship-shape order. Yeah, kind of I think. Yeah, I don't know that. Yeah, I, I think it'll be somebody dynamic. It, it'll be right. somebody like I agree. Lincoln Riley or somebody in that range. I don't think they're going to go old school here at all. Their defensive coordinator and now interim head coach 
is very old school, so right. can uh, wear that hat. Maybe he'd be willing to stick around if this defense uh, plays well for the rest of the year. But John Dorsey was put in a tough spot. He was asked to keep Hugh Jackson, but I bet he must have had a, a wink from the owner. Like, look, I need to keep him around for now for some stability, but if things go south, you have the right to pull the trigger. So he pulled the trigger. Also, I'd say the one thing I'd say on Todd Haley, like, yeah, it didn't appear to be a fit, but they, they hadn't coached together before. Well, why do you think it is going to be a fit? I, I just don't know why you have a veteran like Hugh Jackson bring in a veteran like Todd Haley. They don't have a strong relationship. Without the experience in. together, right. I just, don't, I just don't get it. Now, on the flip side, I don't want to be hypocritical because the other day I was talking about how the unique thing about the Bears is that uh, Matt Nagy and uh, Mark Helfrich did not know each other. They did not know each other at all. They introduced hmm. uh, – what's his name? Nagy was very interested in speaking with Helfrich and decided to give him a call and introduce himself – and that's how they became acquainted to one another. And he just liked his offense so much, he knew he wanted to institute it. And here we go. They got a dynamic offense with a bunch of different pieces, and Trubisky is playing better. Wasn't spectacular the other day, but he's playing well for the last six weeks. So let's come back with, uh, with the final segment. It's Mike and Dane on FST on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your Daily Roto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Bovoda getting it rocking. Oh, Van Halen. This is right now in Dane Valley. This is a Dane Martinez sure. special. Hot right. <laughs> stuff. So, this is fantasy freestyle right here. This is what you guys lead That's off with. That's right. <laughs> Stats over freestyle. beat Cypher. You know. Eddie Van Halen right. shredding. So, uh, We're on brand. Yeah, so... <laughs> Uh, we're back on FST. Thanks for joining us on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network this morning. On TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app, uh, and a variety of terrestrial radio stations across the country. Thank you for listening. So, uh, Dane, you had a little uh, Tampa Bay and uh, Fitzmagic news. Obviously, Jameis. Yeah. I mean, Jameis is, uh, look, as, I, as I've seen a bunch of people writing, you know what Jameis is at this point. The guy's turnover machine. He's just, yeah. it's been particularly More than Bortles bad. and Eli Manning. <laughs> it's been particularly bad these last few weeks, but that's what Jameis is in the NFL. I mean, there's no, there's no debating what the guy's all about. Right now, in his 49 career games, he's got, uh, where is the numbers now? I'm losing them all of a sudden. 54 interceptions, and I believe it was something like another 24 fumbles above and beyond. He's in the that. 70s in yeah, total. So yeah, it's ridiculous. Over 70 turnovers. 
uh, in the 49 games that, that he's played in. So I, I don't know what else to say. It's not, it's not, it's not good enough. It can't be over right. one per game. Uh, well, he's got 75 touchdowns, but I, I'm not really impressed at the one-to-one touchdown-to-interception ratio. Forgive me that I'm not impressed. Right. So I mean, he's already got 10 interceptions this season. He's played three games. He leads the league in interceptions. He started three He games. didn't play the first three weeks. Right. <laughs> Or more even. Yeah, it's crazy. You're, I mean, you're banging on Bortles and Eli. They don't even have as many interceptions. They played double the amount of games that the guys played this year. So Right, well, they are also starting quarterbacks for their team, and Jameis Winston is no longer. But I wish he was still playing because I have the Bucks <laughs> under six and a half, and I know Fritz right. is going to pull a rabbit out of his hat like two or three more times, and I'm going to sweat right. this until week 17. I need the Fitzmagic, typical Fitzmagic collapse in December to happen like now. I need to start a, a downward decline in Fitzmagic's play, which obviously didn't happen the other day. He brought them back from down 17 or whatever it was. He did. Just crushing. Yeah, we had that win in our picks, and Fitz ended that one for us. Yes. We had Cincy minus four and a half, and Fitz comeback hurt that one for us. You I know about your over-under, Tampa. I, I really needed it all unravel. I really do. And the cutter yeah. to go, and everybody to start going so, and leaving town and making business decisions. Joe McCoy is out. I just need other guys to. So I got to tell you something. That was one of my takeaways, and I mentioned this to Scott last hour of this. My takeaway from this is that Dirk Cutter made this decision, not the Glazer family. Dirk Cutter made this decision because he knows his ass is next, right? He's already fired the defensive coordinator. Listen, um, if you are looking in the short term, a la Dork Cutter, you go with Ryan Fitzpatrick because he does, as the axiom says, give them the best chance to win because Jameis Winston is a turnover machine, as you've you know articulated and detailed beautifully, Blue, and by the way. What I will say, though, is that's the coach's decision. The, gla- the ownership, the team, I think it's obvious, and there's been reports to this effect, that they would go with, you know, the 24-year-old who was the number one overall draft pick for the for the franchise. In the same way I'm saying the Jets have to find out about Darnold and the Bills have to find out about Allen this year and all that, what the Bucks have to do is find out about their former number one overall pick. The long-term view is to take your lumps with the turnover machine that is Jameis. The short-term save-my-ass kind of move is what Dirk Cutter is doing and going back to the Fitzmagic. To me, this move also signals that Dirk Cutter is making these decisions and that he also knows he's dead man walking in Tampa. Yeah, and Jameis has already, I think, had that fifth-year option picked up, I believe, so which will be about $19 million. It's Right, what so what Bucks... are they going to do? Cut the guy? Like, they have to figure it out. They can get out of it without a lot of money being spent. Like in March, if they're like, see ya, it won't be right. that expensive. I just read something on it yesterday. It won't be that expensive. I don't have the exact number in front of me, but it's something like $7 million bucks or whatever. It would be a yeah. tough hit to take. But if you just want to be done with it and turn the page and we need a new quarterback and uh, Justin Herbert is our guy or Drew Locke is our guy, right. then you do that. But that's a number one overall pick, I think. Exactly. I mean, if the, Buc- if the Jags gave Bortles another year – I feel right. like the Bucks are going to give Jameis one right. more year, and and they probably will bring somebody else in to As see a if bridge, they can, right? To, no, to push them. I mean, coaching wise, I don't think oh. I think they're going to. Yeah, look, it could still be a veteran. Maybe it still fits there with him. I'm saying, I think the coaching staff gets cleared out anyway. 
Now, I'm right. saying that, assuming that it continues to go poorly. Right now, they're three and four. It's not the end of the world. I mean, they, you know, it's an overtime loss and a la- an overtime win. Uh, by the way, right? That's why Cutter had, has to go to Fitz because he's save, trying to save his job. They, he thinks they can win some games. I mean, coming out of the bye, they they barely lost to Atlanta. They beat Cleveland in overtime, and then they barely lost to Cincy. So it hasn't been a right. feature showing except for one player. And if he hadn't turned the ball over so many times, maybe they would have won all three of those games. That's why so, Dirk Cutter's going the way he's going. I agree. But the organization has to find out about Jameis. I, I get it. So that's why I think that this is sort of the end of the road for Cutter either way. I think he's damned right. if he does, damned if he doesn't. So they go to – so let's take a look at Tampa specifically. They go to Carolina this weekend – uh, I'll give them the L there. Then they host Washington. Right. Then they go to the G-Men. It's a second win for the G-Men, maybe. Uh, then they, yeah, then maybe. they Then they host San Francisco, possible win. Yeah. They Then they host Carolina. Then they host New Orleans, who they beat. Then at Baltimore, at Dallas, hosting Atlanta. It's not easy. No. They got some good teams on there. I, I don't see four wins there, but I see three. I mean, I think they can get three. But then you're six and ten. You didn't fire the guy last year when people thought you should have. Right. And he's gone. He's out of there. You know, like what could happen is they get dumped by, like December is hard for them. They got five games in December. Hosting Carolina, New Orleans, at Baltimore, at Dallas, hosting Atlanta. I could see them losing those first four, and he's gone yeah. like on Christmas Eve, which would suck. But <laughs> sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, but my takeaway from coach. this is, Dirk Cutter is dead man walking, unfortunately. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully they they go three and three and whatever the record is the rest of the way, three and six the rest of the way, and uh, I clear my bet. So uh, I feel good about my Lions bet. It's under eight. Feeling better. Uh, Yeah. I feel pretty good about. I mean, the Raiders. That's home already. Got it. Uh, And the Titans. The Titans is going to be the big sweat. It sure will. What if, on a similar vein, real quick, and I know we don't have a ton of time, what if Greg Williams and the Browns win, like, three games in the second half of the season? Then I think they still look for a new head coach. He can't be the head coach. Like, is there anything Greg Williams can do where they would just remove the interim tag? What if he goes four and four? What if he wins four games in the second half of the season, which is more than the last three years of the organization? I think, and they're like, "Oh, we'll get in a new hotshot, young, innovative mind to be the offensive coordinator and own the Baker development." No, uh, no, no, no. I, I know what you're saying, but I think in this environment, also, Greg Williams, you know, he has that history of uh, Bounty Gate. Bounty Gate. In addition to well, how we've seen him on camera, he's like brutal with players. He's old school. Yeah. Yells at guys, calls guys out on the media. Yeah. Like I just don't think that's the environment for guys to get head coaching jobs anymore. And if the Brown, if Browns fans were like, yeah, we're gonna keep, saw that they're gonna, yeah, we're gonna keep Greg on and uh, look for a dynamic offensive coordinator, people would lose their mind. Like they just lose it. They've already lost it, but they would lose their mind. He's not the guy going forward. You can't sell that to any fan base. You know who the guy we like going forward is? The 65-year-old defensive coordinator who yells at people and calls guys out in the media all the time and has no idea what to do with offense. So, uh, right, I don't but what if that... he gets hot? What if the Browns get hot? They've lost tough games. What if they're six, nine, and one at the end of the year? I'm just telling you, I think. And with the don't... arrow pointing up and people excited. I think John Dorsey would be like, "We need to find somebody." long term 
that is like yeah. that can be in simpatico with Baker from here on out. Yeah. Lincoln Riley makes the most sense right now, even though it's it's Twitter fodder. It makes the most sense to have a, that guy at the hip with Baker for the next ten years to make sure that he can play at a high level in the NFL. So let's get to the transaction trends real quick. Obviously. Yep. Uh, people are going to be looking for replacements for Will Fuller and, uh, frankly, Jameis Winston. Rifus Patrick was probably dropped in most leagues. You'll see a bidding war for him yet again uh, in certain types of leagues. Uh, Will Fuller uh, looking for options to replace him with. Um, Kenyon Barner, I think we saw exactly what that was going to be. Some people got excited about him, but he's going to be four touches, five touches when he's in the games and nothing beyond that. Um, uh, some other guys that you were looking at potentially of these sure. transaction trends at wide receiver. You talk about fully Kiki QT coming back potentially from the hamstring owned in 20% of leagues. Dude, I have Cortland Sutton, I have Cortland Sutton owning about 10 or 15% of leagues. If Demarius Thomas does get moved, which a lot of people think might happen. He actually had Cortland a 10 Sutton. point game the other day too, in our league. Listen, <clears throat> he stands to benefit. Listen, he's already ascending. Yeah. Uh, he could be someone keep an eye on DJ Moore out of Carolina as well. They face Tampa Bay next week. It looks like North Turner really has... Listen, Cam Newton has a 66% completion percentage this year. Like, that's ridiculous, and it's because they're trying to get the ball in Christian McCaffrey, Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore's kind of hand. So those are some guys. Adam Humphreys seems to be an eye. Eli was rolling with a 70% completion percentage, too, because he's throwing screen passes all game long. But So I'm not as impressed with Cam's 66%, but it is amazing to look at because he's a 59% guy. So uh, Ronald Jones, as you said, Ronald Jones, as you said in the previous hour, he's looking to miss a few weeks. I doubt too many people had high expectations for him, but I have him in a dynasty league and uh he won't be playing for the next few weeks uh peyton barber only 45 percent owned maybe you give him a look yeah uh yeah i think peyton barber is somebody to, to roster as we get through these bye weeks we have a big bye week situation this week with six teams off so uh you will have to look at some other options uh the Bengals are off the giants are off so uh, a few other teams you mentioned replacing Jameis. you know fitz is out there uh dak is also out there coming off by your boy mariota also coming off by who would you lean to if you were painted into a corner six teams on by Jameis? you lost let's say uh dak or mariota i'm tainted by the fact that i that I you have a man crush on Mariota, right? It's not, and the Titans. It's more about no. the Titans than it is about Marcus Mariota. Sure. But um, I, I'd want to take a quick look at the schedules in order to line that up. So, well, uh, what if it's, it's just a one-week kind of thing? You know, you have Andy Dalton and Andrew Luck on by. Let's say. Yeah, I think I'm. You know, playing. Dallas, and they play each other on Monday Night Football. Dallas and Tennessee. Give me Mariota. I'm all in. Hmm. I think they write the ship after the bye week, and I'm just saying this because I'm biased and I have the Titans over eight right. on the year, and I need them to play well. I'll fully admit that I'm I'm a fan. So yeah, way I would, to be transparent. I like would that. go with Mariota just because I think there's more an opportunity for him to throw touchdown passes. But maybe the Amari Cooper thing changes that dynamic. I'm excited for this <clears throat> trade deadline today. We'll see exactly what happens here as we approach a four o'clock deadline. Dean and I will come back on Thursday to recap it. He's here with Scott tomorrow. Thanks for listening. We're out. person is diagnosed with a blood cancer like leukemia. Bone marrow transplants give patients a new lease on life, but 70% of them must rely on a stranger for one. You can help. Register with DKMS to become a donor. You'll receive a swab kit in the mail, swab your cheeks, send the samples back, and you're good to go. Take the first step. Become a hero. Register today at DKMS.org.